This morning, I want to invite you to take your Bibles, if you have it with you, your Bible, and turn it to the uh, book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. 1 Peter, chapter 1. Would you stand with me, please, as we read 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father God, we come to you, we thank you for this living hope that Peter writes of. We pray that we would each experience and live and walk in that hope each and every day. We pray that if there are those here today who have no hope, they would receive it. For those whose hope has been lost, that it would be returned. Those whose hope has been pressed down, has been crushed, that today their hope would be restored. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Where is this hope? Where is the hope that Peter speaks of? He's not simply a person who's talking about something that he heard from from a friend, who heard from a friend, who heard from a friend. Peter was there. Peter was there that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there outside the house of Pilate. He was there at the tomb. And Peter declares that we, not that we might have a hope, we may have a hope, He declares that we have a hope, a living hope, as a possession that is given to us through Jesus Christ, through his resurrection from the dead. We have it. We own it. Peter says, I know. I lived it. So where is this hope? As we look around, there are so many people who lack hope. As they look ahead, they face despair. If you ask the country, you see the polls, where's the outlook of our country? How is it doing? People of all religions, races, economic backgrounds often say, I don't see good things ahead. The outlook doesn't look good for us. And that filters down from the national level to the state, to the community, and to the families and individuals themselves. Where is this hope that we sing of? How do people lose hope? How does it get away from them? If we take and examine the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read the surrounding the resurrection, we can get a great understanding of why certain people don't have hope or their hope has been destroyed. And some of these things may be uh, very plain or obvious to those who are believers. For instance, there's people in the gospel accounts that 
They know nothing of Christ, at least in a trusting relationship of him, with him. If you look at the leaders, the members of the Sanhedrin, that was the Jewish council of leaders, and the Roman officials, Pilate and others, their hope was in power and control. That's all they knew. That's why Pilate, when he said, this man has done no wrong, and yet the crowd cried out, crucify him. He washed his hands of Jesus because he was afraid of the crowd, the riot that might have broken out, and of losing power and control. His only hope was in holding on to everything he had by any means possible, even putting the perfect Son of God to death. And those who look for power as a means of hope will always find themselves disappointed. Then there are those who look at their own good behavior, their own righteousness. They've got a code. See, it's important, these folks would say, to have a code. And I have a code. The problem is their code wasn't God's code. It was a man-made, self-created code. And we see the Pharisees, the, the religious folks in Jesus' day who were insanely jealous of him because he got attention that they didn't. Because he followed the Father's will and not their code. They could not stand him. And their code was so messed up. It was so ridiculous that they paid blood money, 30 pieces of silver to Judas. They willingly, gladly did this. Paid him to betray his rightful Lord and Master. And yet, when, Jesus, when Judas had done the deed, when he had betrayed Jesus, the devil had left him. The devil had his way. The devil used him. And Judas, realizing the enormity of his sin, in despair came to those temple leaders and said, What have I done? I have sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And he threw them on the temple floor. And they said, This doesn't have anything to do with us, buddy. We're sorry, that's your business. The Bible says he went and hung himself in grief and despair. And their code, though, they had a code. They had morals, they said. They got together and they said, well, this money doesn't fit our code. We, we can't put this in the treasury, in the temple money, in the offering plate. That would violate our code. That wouldn't be right. This is blood money. And so they took that money and they bought the potter's field, which became known as the blood field. Those who look to their own code, just as those Pharisees would eventually find, will find that they have no hope. And certainly we've mentioned Judas. While the others were outright opposed to Jesus, Judas was a false believer. Sometimes people get the wrong impression that, that Judas really loved Jesus. And, and, and that he just had a bad day and he made a wrong decision. But that's not the case at all. The Gospels tell us that he never put his faith in Christ. He was along for the ride. It's like all those who use the church for whatever it can give them. Some of these are the folks who, you know, they, they have a circuit and they call every church they can trying to see what money they can get out of them. But others, regular church members, they've walked an aisle, they've claimed allegiance to a church, but in their hearts they do not know Christ. 
They're there because it's a place to make connections. Because their mama bugged them and nagged them and made them they ought to go. Because their friends go there. But on the inside, they do not know Christ. They have never trusted Him for their salvation. Judas's hope, in fact, was based on money. He thought, if I get a little more, if I get a little more, if I get a little more, I'll be happy. And the Gospels tell us that he kept the purse for the group, and he would often pilfer it for himself, and he would take money, and he had this sort of uh, guilty pleasure, not only in the money, but in the fact that he took it underneath Jesus' eyes because he thought Jesus wasn't aware. And his final grasp for money was that 30 pieces of silver. But it left him in despair. There's no hope in living by your own code, power, control, money, fame. None of these things bring us true hope. Peter said that real hope comes through being born again into God's kingdom. That is, the Bible says when you and I trust God, what he did for us on the cross, his son died for our sins. He paid that penalty. And we put our faith in him to forgive us of our sins. There is hope in that. And many of you today can stand here and testify to the hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. And yet, if we are honest, if we look around at true believers, not those who openly, outwardly reject God, not even those who secretly reject Him, but those who have truly believed in Christ, we would notice that at times they lack hope. We would all say at points in our lives we have not been able to look forward. We have not had the hope that Peter says is our inheritance, that, it, that we own it. And yet, somehow we're not taking advantage of it. Somehow we're not able to grasp it at times. And I think about those on that resurrection morning. Those in the day, on that day of the resurrection, on Easter day and the days following, who were true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they struggled themselves. As we look at their lives, maybe we can learn a little bit about what it means to have our faith be dimmed, our hope be shuttered, and how we can overcome that. The circumstances of our life affect us greatly. I think first about Mary Magdalene. I think about her first because she was the first to see the resurrected Lord. We think about her life, and we realize that she was, didn't have hope because she was so hurt that she couldn't see Jesus. The Bible tells us that she came that day, and she looked in the tomb, and Jesus was not there. She said, where is he? And she turned around, and she saw a man standing there. And through her tears, through her sorrow, she was so sad. She could not see it was Jesus. They even began to talk. She simply thought he was the gardener. And finally the Lord spoke and said, Mary. And when he called her by name, just as God calls us each by name, 
He knows intimately the details of our lives as he called her by name. She came out of it. She was able to wipe those tears, and I imagine they, they probably still kept falling just for a different reason. The tears of sorrow turned into tears of joy. And she could commune with her Lord. She could visit with Him. She could celebrate the resurrection. But until she was able to move beyond the tears and the sadness, she wasn't able to see Him. And so often in our lives, our grief can bury our hope. Our hope is still there. Peter says we have that hope. It is a possession. It is a birthright for every believer. But our grief often clouds it, and we don't see that hope that's ahead. Next, I think of the disciples, those who are waiting, and they hear the report from Mary Magdalene. She runs to them, and she says, he's alive. I've seen him in the garden. He is alive. And the Bible says they basically thought, Tim's paraphrase, she was nuts. I mean, really and truly, they couldn't believe what she was saying was true. And sometimes in life, our hope, so people try to encourage us, you know. They come along and they say, you know, I know things are really bad and I know it's really tough, but there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, and they're saying things that are really, really true, and yet we just can't trust them for some reason. Yet we can't take those words and we hear them. They go into our ears, but not into our hearts. And that's kind of how the disciples were on that day. Why were they that way? I don't know. It could have been that she was a woman. The reality is, in the day and time they lived in, women were not looked upon at an equal level as men. In fact, they were not counted on to be reliable witnesses in court. And maybe some of those uh, disciples had that same type of bias. Maybe it wasn't her gender at all, but the fact of her previous life. Maybe they looked at her and said, wow, Mary... I know Jesus cast out all those demons, but I, I'm wondering if something snuck back in. I mean, maybe you're having some issues here. Maybe you're seeing something. And for whatever reason, they doubted her word. And many times in life, if we're honest, we've had really good advice. And we've heard, had people speaking the words of truth into our lives. But we've been so doubtful, we haven't received it. And in doing so, we've robbed ourselves of the hope that God wants us to have. Some of us are overwhelmed by disappointment. The fact is that we don't have hope because we just can't understand how things worked out the way they did in our lives. I mean, we had a plan. I mean, we, we saw the future. We were working towards this goal, this circumstance, this future reality, and all of a sudden our lives are turned around and things haven't worked out, and all of us have been there. Whether it's careers or family or relationships or health or whatever it is, all of a sudden the picture in front of us is not what we envisioned at all. That's what happened to those couple of guys on the road to Emmaus. Jesus met them on the road. They started talking. They were going to this little village of Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And they were walking along, and Jesus met them. Boy, they were long in the face. And he said, why are you so sad? 
What's going on in your life? What has kept you? What has made you this way? And they said, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that hadn't heard the news? Today we might ask, do you not have TV? Do you, do you not check your cell phone? Do you not know what's going on? Jesus of Nazareth, he was the one we thought. We thought that he was the Messiah, that he was going to change everything. You see, they had a picture in their mind of what the Messiah would look like when he came, how exactly it would work out. And Jesus didn't fit that picture. When that happens in our life, when we expect one reality and we get another, it can be devastating. I think that's what happened to the disciples on that night in Gethsemane. I don't think those guys were cowards any more than any of us would be. They're probably braver. They've been through all sorts of things. But they're in the garden when they are confronted. <clears throat> I mean, they're ready. Jesus told them some big things were coming, and they told Jesus, we got a couple swords, Jesus. He said, that's, uh, that's good, that's enough. And, but, you know, they, that kind of should have clued them in that this wasn't going to be a uh, that kind of fight. But, you know, hey, they'd seen Jesus multiply fish and loaves, so he could multiply the armory. I mean, he could give them all the, the battle gear that they needed, and I think they were ready they'd, for a fight or maybe even for a flight because they'd seen Jesus disappear before when those who tried to end his life before God's uh, timing had come had tried to stone him, and Jesus disappeared from their midst. And so they could envision, maybe we're fighting, maybe we're running, but we're with Jesus all the way. But they never considered being with Jesus. As Jesus said, no, Peter, <laughs> that guy needs his ear. He picks it up, he puts it back on the guard. We're not fighting, not this way. He surrendered. He allowed evil men to have their way. But of course, he knew God's way. But the disciples all fled. Not because they were sissies or scaredy cats or cowards or didn't love Jesus, but they had never imagined this possibility in their life. It blew their minds. And they had to get away. And that happens to us when things don't turn out the way we want them to. And we lose sight of the hope that's in Jesus Christ because somehow we have subtly replaced our hope in Christ with our hope for a particular future that we've envisioned. And when God changes that, sometimes it's hard to adjust. Finally, I think about Thomas. I think about folks who the pain of life has made them skeptical. They've been hurt over and over and over and over again. And they basically, it's not just that they don't believe God, they don't believe anybody. They can't imagine anything getting better because they've been told good things before and bad things happen instead. Poor Thomas. Can you imagine? He'd be the one guy who happened to not show up that day, you know? Maybe his donkey was running a little late. I don't know, but he wasn't there when Jesus uh, uh, showed up 
for all the other disciples. And they all come back and say, look, it's, it's not just those women we thought might be crazy. I mean, it's all of us. It's everybody. Men and women, young and old, tons of people have seen Jesus, Thomas. You need to believe. And Thomas says, no, I've had my hopes up before. I'm afraid to believe anything. I'm too hurt to believe. And Jesus has patience and love with Thomas. And he appears to him. But Jesus said to him, Thomas, you're blessed because you see me and believe. But more blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. They simply rely on my word, on my promise, and they keep trusting even though life has beat them up and dragged them down. That is the greatest blessing, to keep on trusting Christ when the circumstances around us make it hard. The uh, Journal of American Medicine published a report, really an astounding report, because uh, when they test medicines and they do trials and studies, if, if something makes like a 1%, 2 3%, a, a very small, I don't know exactly what it is, but if something makes a very small um, a change, and those of you who are in medical fields, you can tell me, but you know, new drugs come out and they become very popular because, hey, we just made this small percentage change. But they studied the effects of hope versus despair on the human heart. And they found that those who were in despair, those who lacked hope, had a 20% greater chance of thickening of the arteries. To make a comparison that we all understand, it's the same amount of change, according to the report I read, for a person who smokes a pack a day that impact on the heart is the same as the lack of hope. Well, not only can medical science say that despair hurt the physical human heart, but we know that the heart as the center of your being, the center of your emotions, of your will, of your decisions in your life, without leaning on the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. Your heart, your heart will be greatly affected. We cannot stop the hurt, the betrayal, the times that life doesn't turn out the way we wanted it to, all of those things that happened to these early believers, we can't stop those things from happening. Any pastor, any religious person who tells you, oh, believe in God and, and you'll never face those things, they're lying. Because Jesus said, in this world, you'll have many troubles. But, he said, I've overcome this world. I want to do two things today. Number one, if you don't know Jesus personally, maybe you've openly rejected him or maybe you've just gone along the ride of being in church, I want to remind you that without Jesus Christ, there is no true hope. But secondly, if you're a believer, 
I want to remind you that hope is your birthright in Jesus Christ. You have a hope that God has good things ahead for you. And the circumstances of life and what you've been through may have overwhelmed you. But that hope is still there. And God is calling you to restore you to himself today. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come. We're so thankful that no matter what we face in life, Lord, you're with us. No matter how dark it is around us as we seek to see and we cannot see at times, Lord, you see further. Your vision is greater and higher because you know the plans you have for us. Father, help us to trust, to trust in you as Savior, not only in that initial conversion, that initial turning to you, God, but as believers to keep on keeping on, to keep on believing, keep on trusting, to keep on having hope that can only be found in you. Father God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.